Hi, Rafael and Jen. Welcome to our podcast. This is the third season, and it's called We Can Make Change, and this is episode 11, and we're calling this one Resistance. And the idea is, um, as we're talking about all these ways of making beautiful change in the world and ourselves, um, listening to people talk about the ways they're making change and just processing what that all looks like, the reality is something happens when you step into that kind of realm and that something is called resistance. And it's internal, it's external, it happens in all kinds of ways. And we want to name that and talk about it today. And maybe you have been experiencing resistance in your own life and we're hoping to um, help you name that and empower you in your own journey of change and growth. But before we do, before we jump into that, uh, a couple of things. One, we're doing sessions, which is um, like, uh, spiritual and relational coaching. So we've been walking with people in their marriages, been walking with people doing parenting coaching, um, just helping with uh, forming intentionality and in parenting, and then also spiritual growth coaching, um, spiritual direction kind of stuff with people. And it's been super fun. And if you're interested in that, you can go to our website, philandjinwood.com, and you can explore a little bit more about that on the coaching page. And um, you could set up a initial conversation and book a session there. Yeah. And we have a new podcast tile up. So just wanted to say, be on lookout for that. It's no longer that kind of, what color was that before? Gold. Gold. Okay. We'll call that gold. I kept calling it poop color, but. No, okay. no, it was gold. <laughs> um, it's. Yeah, we just wanted, we thought it'd be a good idea to put a face to our names. And our friends at Foxes and Wolves did that for us. That was so, they're just so talented. So grateful for that. And we're in the process of updating the website. So we are going to be providing more resources and have been kind of updating the website so that we can get those on there. And yeah. we're working on right now a self guided marriage retreat. So keep an eye out for that. That's going to be coming out soon along with some more resources. But the idea is just with COVID <laughs> and um, thinking about trying to get people in a room all together for a weekend. Yeah, we, we're having a hard time getting our friends together in a room just to hang out. And so we're thinking to get a bunch of people together in a room with this COVID surge right now in the spring. Um, the thought is to push the retreat back a few months and instead to release this self-guided marriage retreat that you could take and download and be guided through a similar experience just on your own, wherever you are. Yeah. Which I actually think could be a really fun way to do it regardless. So I'm so excited about this resource. Totally. Just you kind of like, a, we're calling it like a choose your own adventure. So we're going to give all kinds of options for things that you can do together. Conversation starters, ideas for just like fun activities, some videos, ways to connect, some audio downloads. Yeah. Some guides. So we're set we're up and it's an incredible weekend together. Yeah. It's, it's super fun happening. Yeah. So, all right. Keep an eye out. And for more resources with just spiritual and relational growth stuff, we'll be on the site as well. We'll keep you in the loop. So it's a new year and we're in a freaking long pandemic. <laughs> um, it's tiring. Yeah. I think few months ago, we're like, yeah, so we're all getting ready to emerge from this pandemic. And then it, we got deeper. So uh, it's exhausting. It's actually really exhausting. Everybody I know is tired. Everybody mm -hmm. tired of something 
or everything. Yeah, everything. Or at least something. I don't know anybody that's making resolutions this year. No. It's like a different vibe for sure. Except for your... I know one group. I take that group. back. I have a group of guys that um, I we all go to the same gym and we all work out together. And they, they call themselves the Nooners because they all go to the Noon class. But I don't. But I'm on the thread. And... Um, <laughs> We, I, apparently every year the Nooners set up this, this spreadsheet where they have all these goals of diet and fitness that they want to achieve. And then we all track the goals together. It's like a sort of Google sheet, real time accountability thing. Mm-hmm. How's yeah. our goal going? How's it's, your goal? I feel like the <laughs> spreadsheet is to keep track of our failures. That's, that's what I feel like. Especially this year. I mean, this always happens every year, right? Like when you go to the gym, the first few weeks of the, the year, it's always packed. And then like a couple of weeks in, it starts to thin back this out. This is different. There's a different <laughs> level of tiredness right now. Oh, so a man. bunch of people this in the group the year for it. had these like diet goals. We're going to do dry January or, or plant-based. What was our goal? What was our goal? I, so we wanted to try plant-based. I mean, if you heard the We were so inspired the conversation by, by Jeff. <laughs> a few weeks ago from Jeff Ketch at the Rodale Institute, uh, that was last week. We were like, it is on. And so we need to, we're going to try fully plant-based. And at first mm-hmm. it was like, we'll try vegetarian. I'm like, no, we go all the way. We cut the cheese and the egg and we're just, we, it would have been smart <laughs> to research that else. more <laughs> um, and figure out how that works, what it does to your body. But oh my gosh, it lasted like, like a week maybe. Well, I don't think we were doing it right. I so we're going to, we're going to. Either Wait. way, I started getting dizzy. I felt like I was going to pass out in the afternoons. Oh. I got like weird things and it just it didn't work. And I ended up going back. And Our stomachs funny. did not like it. No. It, no. Did, it was it, very angry. Having a difficult time. And the guys on this text thread, it's like no one's really been talking about it, all my buds. And then all of a sudden, somebody like mentioned something about it. And then there's like, it's like confession time. <laughs> People are like, <laughs> Well, I was going to do dry January, but I mean, I switched to seltzers and that helps. And then, or I'm like, yeah, I, I was just going to add eggs and then I had a hamburger. So I, I don't know what happened there. That hamburger was so good though. That first one. Oh man. The first one. Mm. So the first taste of meat, I mean, after right, that right, whole sure. long five days of meat. It's like eight, but still. <laughs> I think we made like, I think we made a little over a week doing pretty much vegan. We tried. Anyway. So yeah, it doesn't feel like like that same sense of like new year, new you, you know, we're all making these massive changes. And I, I think as we're talking about what kind of makes me laugh that our season is called We Can Make Change because it just feels like, I don't know if this is the year for that, but even as you're trying to make simple changes in your life, you know, like in the midst of all that's going on right now, maybe you're just trying to be kinder to yourself and you're trying to change the way that you talk to yourself and your self-talk. Or maybe you're just working on taking deep breaths before exploding on your children when you're frustrated or basically any kind of positive change that you're trying to make, it's going to be met with resistance. And so that's what we want to talk about today. Anytime you're trying to make especially change in the world, I mean, man, you're going to encounter resistance. And so whether you're trying to pursue pursue like some sort of creative endeavor or entrepreneurial sort of calling or venture, whether you're trying to start something, even if it's small, like a new regimen towards fitness or towards health, like even if it's just, you know, I'm going to not eat chocolate, like you're going to 
meet resistance when you're trying to make those changes in your life. And so anything towards like activism or any basically kind of change for the better, politically, ethically, morally, attempting to take on more education in your life and trying to grow, trying to help people, working on your marriage, working on your friendship, you know, friendships and trying to become healthier there, or whether you're trying to grow spiritually, basically any kind of positive change you're making, you will face resistance. And we just want to name that today and talk about it and say, it is no joke. And you're going to, <laughs> I mean, the kind of resistance that we've experienced in our life, it's, it's both internal, external, and it's like, it's basically all the things that would try to stop you from making that change. And it can kick you in the face. It can feel almost unendurable at times, like you can't take it anymore. And it's going to try and pull you away from the good that you're doing, from the change that you're trying to make in your life. And so as we're talking about making change in ourselves, in the world around us, we wanted to say, this is something that needs to be addressed. And we want to name it and normalize it. Talk about how crazy strong the pull can actually be away from the thing that you're trying to do and how we're all like, no one is exempt from it. (laughs) You know, like we're all going to experience resistance. And in fact, I think that is a lot of what we're experiencing right now is resistance because I, we've talked about this, but we're in the midst of major societal changes. And I think what part of what we're experiencing in the discomfort is the amount of change that we're going through as a society. And I think some of it, like we've talked about in this podcast is actually going to be really good change for the better as a society, but we're in that, like the, the pain stage right now of, of making those changes and it's, it can be difficult. It's difficult, but it's not insurmountable. Mm. It's interesting too, with yeah. resistance, it's like, it can feel like you're the only one. It can actually feel shameful, especially oh, when, you, true. when you give into it because you're like, oh, like, it, like you can't even name it at first. You're just like, why? There's a, there's like, a, I, I used to call it, it felt like like the gravitational pull mm-hmm. of the earth was trying to keep me from doing my work. I would say like the whole universe is bent on me not accomplishing this thing I know I need to accomplish right now. Mm-hmm. And it was whether it came from inside my own distracted monkey brain or whether it came from, I was suddenly had like an inspiration. Like but when I was writing sermons week in and week out, like the time that I would actually have allotted to sit down and write this message, I suddenly needed to like research 37 other things on the internet. <laughs> yeah, or like organize critical. your files. <laughs> like how do you adjust the whatever, you know, combobulator of the, what I was like, I need to dig deep into that. And I would get, I'm like, well, there went my time. Or like whether it's other people suddenly mm. coming and distracting, whether at home or, or in my office and I'd find myself oh. working on my messages in like the middle of the night because no one could call me or distract me or need me. Remember we would get in fights actually almost every Saturday night for like resistance for years until we remember realized like we called it the devil, (laughs) which is interesting though, because when you, wow, that is a segue right there. When you can't name it, it's so disempowering, but when you begin to see the pattern and recognize it Mm -hmm. and know that this is, this is actually how it is. This is mm-hmm. the way this thing all works. And I joked about the segue, the devil thing, because it's okay. If you look in the scriptures and you look at Jesus, it's fascinating his story 
and there's certain through lines that you pick up on that if you're kind of just reading in bits and pieces or little sections, you could, you could totally miss it. And even if you're reading all the way through it and you're not looking for it, you could totally miss it. But like the whole point of, of Jesus's stories as they're told in the four gospels is he is on this mission. He's like, he has this intensity to do this thing. Like he's setting out to go to the cross. This is like his his goal, and he talks about it yeah, again. Doesn't he say like I I set my face? Yeah, towards... there, there's a a point. I love that line in one of the gospels where he actually says, "And then Jesus set his face to go mm -hmm. to Jerusalem because he needed to go die because he was going to be raised again, and he was going to usher in a new." way of death and resurrection and like he called it his kingdom there's like he, he was launching this new movement of how to be and live in the world of self-giving love for the healing of the world he was on a movement of showing who god is and how god loves everyone with an undying love that even when he dies he's born again and keeps going it's a wild his, that's his whole thing is getting to jerusalem half the book of mark is him in Jerusalem and what happens when he gets there on that weekend. The other half is almost like a intense backstory getting him to that place. And so like he has this mission that he's about, but he also has this intense resistance along the way. So we're talking about Jesus. <laughs> we're talking about like the the creator god of the universe we're talking about the animating force of the universe taking up residence in a body is facing massive resistance and pulling off his task and his goal think about that but we feel like we should just like have a goal and go out and crush it we should be able to change the world <laughs> pretty easy good point the mm. animating force of the universe embodied in a human body faced great resistance in, in like internally mm. externally but within the movement itself of what he was attempting to do so when jesus first um in the beginning of matthew the first gospel in, in the new testament in the bible it tells the story of how jesus when he's 30 goes into the wilderness finds john the baptist who's baptizing people says he wants to get baptized and then he has this <laughs> this incredible moment of getting dunked in the water and pulled out. And then there's like this, this moment where it says the spirit descended upon him like a dove. And then the heavens open and there's this voice of God saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And it's uh, this, this epic moment where a lot of theologians talk about it. Like that's the moment that like the spirit came to rest upon Jesus in a different way which is, I know, a, like a mind-bending bunch of thoughts when you talk about... Yeah, you just brought up all kinds of Christian questions for me. questions it's and true. doctrines of <laughs> Trinity and who is blah, 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 whatever. But I'm not going to address those things blah, right blah, now. Blah. We're talking about resistance. <laughs> so, but, so, but then oh in, in chapter 4, right after this happens, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Which is fascinating. So Jesus hasn't started his ministry yet. He hasn't begun his path of intentional public announcement that the kingdom of God is at hand. By the way, if you're checking out, because Phil just said the devil, just stick with, with us here. Because Ushering in 
change in the world to make the world the kind of place God would intend it to be, self-giving love for the healing of the world. That is now beginning, but now that this spirit is resting on him, this incredible empowerment, a lot of theologians say he had to go out and figure out how to operate into that new power that he had, where all these miracles and all these things are about to start happening. And so he had to be tempted to not use that power in ways that would benefit himself rather than like for the sake of the world. So what's fascinating though is if you read the story, there's these three temptations. It's quite a famous story when Jesus goes into the wilderness. But it says he's, he's there to be tempted by the devil. So he goes without food for 40 days and 40 nights, and it says he was hungry. Yes, I would assume so. At that point, the tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And then Jesus answers back, I'm not going to get into the depths of it, but then it says, then there's a second point. It says, then the devil came to him a second time, took him to the holy city, and set him up on the highest point of the temple. And he says, if you're the son of God, then throw yourself down for it's written. And then he quotes the scripture and then Jesus responds back with the scripture. And then it says a third time the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he's like, I'll give that to you if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus is like, get away from me, Satan. And then he quotes another scripture and it says the devil left him. And then these angels came to attend Jesus. And then he was launched into this beginning point of his work. So what's fascinating is it, it calls the devil, the tempter to be tempted by the devil. And then it says the tempter came. So, so Satan, the word in Hebrew is, um, (coughs) the Satan, (laughs) that's amazing it's how you pronounce it (laughs) and it literally means the tempter and so jesus is is in the desert he's trying to figure out how to operate in this power that he has he's trying to figure out how to best go about achieving his goal of you know revolutionizing existence in humanity He's, he's trying to set out on this path and this journey. And right at the beginning, it says the tempter came. And the tempter showed up and, and tried to distract Jesus in all sorts of ways. Not like, hey, give up and come join me and worship the devil. Like he didn't do these most obvious things. It was like, hey, what if you used it this way? Or hey, what if you used your power this other way? Or hey, what if you used your power mm-hmm. this other way instead of the way that you were actually setting out to use? Like your own calling mission what you're actually here to do what if we just tweaked it a little bit like it would still be good and it's fascinating that he calls this tempter the devil the tempter the the satan there's a film that came out a few years ago um called last days in the desert so there's been a bunch of movies about this this period of time in the wilderness but but a more recent one is called Last Days in the Desert with Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and he is, he plays Jesus in the desert. But what's fascinating about it is he also plays the devil in the desert. And it portrays this scene like Jesus is talking to himself. Like, like he's, yeah. the temptation is within. Like the temptation is coming from within and he's having this conversation essentially with himself about this resistance that comes. It's, it's, it's almost like resistance comes as as this self-talk that you have to process through mm-hmm. and this, I mean, how You're many of us fighting yourself? How many of yeah. us have an endless internal dialogue of, well, if I just 
tweak this if I just compromise that or if I just adjusted this or maybe I could just do that or I know I said but I mean ah, I'll just add eggs back into my diet because I'm getting dizzy <laughs> <laughs> it's not much and then there's suddenly a hamburger in my hand and I'm like, uh, what I don't even know myself yeah or even just I hate you like- devil <laughs> <laughs> I hate myself <laughs> just keep going we all- oh, I have a friend well we lost Phil <laughs> I had a friend who used to <laughs> he had a very stressful job in this ministry with these young adults. And at the end, often driving home from his his work with these young adults as like a college pastor or whatever, uh. he would be super internally just wrestling. And there was always this in and out on the way home. And he would be like, do I feel my feelings or do I eat my feelings? Do I feel? And then inevitably he would pull over and he would be like, I eat my feelings. I hate myself. And he would eat this double double on the car. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, uh, but, but, but what's, Jesus didn't call it self-talk. He named it mm, the, devil. the devil. He named it. Personified, yeah. He's, he's like, you, no, mm. do not, no. I, okay, here's what's fascinating. It wasn't just internally. It also happened externally. So um, a few chapters later in Matthew 16, there's a story after Jesus has done a bunch of healings. He's done a bunch of miracles. He's done a bunch of like teachings. Um, and, and it's like game time. He's got these followers, but things are a little fuzzy. And so he sets up with these followers and he begins to have a conversation with them saying, who do you really think that I am? In other words, what do you really think I'm here to do? And then one of them's, this guy named Peter, is like, I know who you are. You're the one. You're the Messiah. You're like, I, I realize that sounds very much like the Matrix, but because they call Neo the one. But you're the Messiah who's here to usher in this new world and he's like that's right you are right and it says i'll read it to you from that time on jesus began this is verse 21 to explain to his disciples that he must go to jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life so they're all you are this messiah and he's like that's right so now let me tell you how it's going to go and he explains that he's going to go die this is his mission and it says that the the leader peter took him aside the same guy who answered the question right and he's like yeah you're the guy same guy who he's like you're the leader and the rock on which this whole thing's going to be built when i leave takes that guy aside or peter takes him aside and begin and um starts to rebuke jesus and says never lord this shall never happen to you trying to deter him from his mission. And Jesus turns and he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. He calls him Satan. He says, you're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, just merely human concerns. Which is great. But what he, because I mean, you typically read that and you're like, dang, that was a smackdown. Or in the same way in the desert, when Jesus is alone, he recognizes the temptation, this resistance from his path as the tempter, as, as Satan. He denames it Satan. He recognizes the same thing in his own followers who are, it's like this external resistance. He just immediately names it Satan, <coughs> which is fascinating. Then here's what's really fascinating is if you read through the story 
like when the religious leaders come to Jesus, he says he's going to be attacked by them and all these things. But what's fascinating is that before he gets to Jerusalem, they come and they question him a lot. And there's a passage in um, like the the book of Mark that, that tells these really like sad but kind of funny stories of how they, they try to like set him up publicly to fail and ask him these questions um, like they're... Yeah, like tricking him. They're kind of like doctrine police. And baiting him. They're like, yeah. if we can bait you to say something stupid in front of everybody, we got you. So we're going to try to like ask you these these tricky questions. And and so you you read stories like in um, Mark chapter 11, where this is, they arrived again in Jerusalem and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders came to him. And they began to question him. By what authority are you doing these things? Who gives you this authority to do this? But they're trying to set him up in front of this big crowd of people. Or there's another passage, just a couple of paragraphs later, where it says, Later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. And so they tried to set him up with like a word booby trap. Like the, it's, it's like there, there's this resistance with these other religious leaders outside of his core group, kind of there's like a resistance to the movement of what's going on. And then finally there's a passage at the end of Matthew when Jesus, similarly to the way he did with his friend Peter, he just calls it what it is. But it's fascinating that he calls it the same exact thing. Mm. He says, um, you travel across, in, in, in Matthew 23, he says, you travel across land and sea to make a single convert just to make them twice the sons of hell that you are. Which you're like, that is... That's like, a call out. <laughs> it's like a running jump karate kick to the uh, face of whoever that was. But like the language in, in John 8, it records Jesus saying to this same group of leaders who are doing these things to him, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. I mean, that's some strong... Mm language but but think about it when jesus is alone in the wilderness when jesus is alone with his own followers externally when jesus is with these leaders outside that are like what whether it's like the core group that's with him fighting for what he's trying to do whether it's him alone in the wilderness discerning what he's trying to do or whether he's with these larger religious leaders that are in competition with him for the like the will and whatever of the people he names it all the same thing the devil satan means tempter it's like Satan is like resistance personified, but writ large. Like it's, it is resistance. Jesus called it out. The temptation to stop or to delay or to distract from the movement or the change or the calling or the mission. He named it Satan on purpose with such intensity because there's like a radical clarity and energy in that kind of naming in order to recognize it and move past it. Otherwise, it's like, well, that's an interesting idea. Who else has some advice or thoughts or let's weigh these things? He's like, no, that is devil. And maybe you're, you're, you're listening and you are like, but wasn't it actually the devil? Like, what are you saying? Are you saying there is no devil? Are you saying there? I'm, I'm not saying that. That, that is like the theological questions of the Trinity of Jesus at his baptism. I'm not getting into that conversation right now. That's not what I'm, I'm interested in. That's fine. I think you could look at it either way, that Jesus is personifying 
temptation and resistance in naming it the devil. Or you could look at it as the fallen spirit whose sole mission is to embody resistance and bring that into the world. That's fine. Name it however you're able, but in the end, it is temptation and it is resistance because Satan means the tempter and Jesus always named it like that. He, he named it in a way that it's like evil. Like mm. temptation yeah. is resistance to keep me from what I'm here to do in the world. Wherever I see it, I name it mm. and I call it out. Yeah. I think somewhere along the way, when we started the church, we, we met so much resistance in every way, internally, externally, I mean, in every way. And I think that was one thing that became really helpful to us. It was to start naming it. I mean, like the Saturday night thing, it took us years of fighting every Saturday night till we finally were like, oh, this is a thing. This is like a resistance thing that we need. To, and we'd be like, oh, this is the thing. We're doing the thing. And we'd stop doing it. it took, or or times we'd be like, years. I think the devil is literally attacking us right now. Like there's yep. nights where we said that. And then I'm like, why are you embodying whatever resistance <laughs> you, I mean, it just depended on the week, wherever we're at, or why am I embodying such a resistance right now? It, it, yeah. But it's like, it's like, it's baked in. Yeah. It's, it's almost like it's, it's a necessary part of it almost, which is terrible <laughs> because well, I think it. It's, but it is often the thing that shapes us into the people that we're becoming. It's like if we just like went after something and then boom, killed it, nailed it, another notch on the belt, like whatever. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't bring about real change in you yeah. and the world. There's no transformation. There's no in resistance. That. Yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's resistance is baked in to the thing. There's a book that we've talked about off and on throughout this last couple of seasons called The Great Emergence by Phyllis Tickle. And she's talking about these big changes that happen in the world cyclically every five centuries or so. Um, and then again, every even larger couple thousand years or so, there's just historically there's been these big changes and transitions that happen in how people view and understand God and, and then how the world's organized accordingly. And as she's writing a book about that, she says, if you, if you look at how that process and that pattern works when it comes to change, she said, typically what you see is like 60% of the population, because her book is called The Great Emergence. She says emerges or like joins into the changes and the movements of what's happening mm, in the world. Yeah. And then she says, around 9 to 13% of people resist the change. And, and, and she actually says, um, aggressively dedicate themselves and their resources to reversing all the changes that have been enabled and are happening. Like, Which is wild. Like not just resist, but are, are freaking pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Bummer if you're those people, well, okay. right? <laughs> Here's, and, and she says the rest of the population um, it's called 30% roughly, give or take, mm. is like unsure. Mm. And they're watching this just thing kind of waiting to see. And they're yeah. neutral and they're like, well, let's see how this all goes. You know, yeah. I'm going to, I'm just going to kind of ride the train and, <laughs> and make sure I'm on the right side of things. Uh, which, I mean, if you look around, it's fascinating to see that in reality. But like the way she describes it is she says, it's, it's almost like all of humanity's in a boat 
And as things are changing, it's like 60% of the people rush to like the front of the boat to this new thing. And she says, you know, the 30% are kind of in the middle that are not sure where to go. And she says the nine to 13 are almost like staying in the back of the boat on the other side. And she said, it's almost like it's necessary as a part of the change because they act like a keel for the boat that would keep Mm -hmm. it from flipping over. Because if everything rushed to the change all at once, it would actually capsize the boat. Yeah. Which is it's like such helpful language for me to be like, oh, that's necessary. Like resistance is is necessary, like a keel in the boat. I mean, it's a bummer role to be the keel. Totally. It's interesting, though, because it feels like more than that sometimes. You know no. what I mean? Doesn't it? Like, because those people are, are sometimes very loud. <laughs> you know what she says is she actually says the number is statistically insignificant mm-hmm. or i'm sorry numerically insignificant but psychologically yeah what is her word <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna look she says it um numerically minor but psychologically significant mm. is is what she says that they are okay here's what's fascinating the law of diffusion of innovation so get outside of philistical and the great emergence and her social commentary on change the law of diffusion of innovation is is like a law of understanding how change comes about in the world, but from like, how does it begin and move and change, like any kind of change in the world? How is that diffused? And they, they lay out a bell curve and they show how change happens. And on the left side of the bell curve, the first two and a half percent of a population they call the innovators, the ones who come up with the new ideas. And then the next percentage of people are 13.5%, they call the early adopters. And then the next portion of the bell curve, which represents a, 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 almost a quarter, 23%, they call the early majority, which takes up like the left under the bell. Mm-hmm. Then if you're moving left to right, the next one is the, the late majority, which is another 23%. And then the rest of it on the backside, they call the laggards, 16%, which is a bummer name again. The ballast. But, yeah. um, but the idea, the ballast is a better word than keel. Um, the idea is... As a new thing emerges, so phone, think about a phone. When you move I mean, I like, was thinking jeans, but whatever. When you move from like a landline <laughs> and then all of a sudden there's cordless phones and then all of a sudden there's like a cell phone. I'm, it's more like a weird car phone that's really big. And then there's like Saved by the Bell when they had like the cell phone that was like a briefcase <laughs> off your shoulder with the line that came out. But then obviously we had flip phones and then the iPhone came about and there's all these changes that happened and... Like there's the people that create it, the 2.5%. Then there's like the early adopters who were paying $600 for the first iPhone. They're like, I have to have the newest thing. And then there's the early majority that were like, we'll wait till Gen 3 when they make a deal with AT&T where it only cost me $100 to buy it. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the late, the like sort of late majority that jump in behind that. And it's like, like a slow change where now like it's difficult to operate in the world without a smartphone. But then there are still the laggards. I know a guy who still doesn't have a cell phone. And he also, he still doesn't that. have even a cordless phone in his house. He's like, I will sit at my phone booth in my house and answer it when I want. And I was going to say, but I do feel like there's the few people like that who are more just like, I'm going to stick it to the man. And that's a whole different thing. You know what well, I mean? Yeah. I don't know if that's like a well, laggard no, but, thing. But but that's the vehement that's true. Resistance. Ooh, that's true. They to change in all that the change means. I shouldn't be available to everyone all the time. Yeah. I shouldn't have people coming at mm. me and, and interrupting me whenever they want. I shouldn't be tracked by everyone and everybody yeah, well, everywhere. Those are some good points. Well, <laughs> so. Yeah. But 
there's this huge resistance. Mm. And and it's one thing to talk about new technologies like an iPhone. Yeah. You're like, okay, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I see that. But it's like when it comes, or, or like any other kind of technology that's happening, but when it comes to things like politics mm. or faith transitions and evolutions, it's different. Mm. It's true. It's a different psychological impact. Um, Phyllis Tickle said in her book, Getting It Right, we talked about this quite a few episodes ago, getting it right, those three words are like some of the most destructive words because they frequently turn godly people into ideological stormtroopers, understandably because what's sought and defended is the whole of one's sort of eternity and righteousness in God and the way things are, like their existential reality, which is understandable, but but when you like codify something as, as orthodox, you ha- you feel compelled to defend unto death that which you have codified and determined as orthodox, which is which creates this mindset of like the like with faith transition. It it creates this mindset of like violent resistance to defend what has been called orthodox. I call it like the evangelical doctrine police. It's like we will check every word and and maintain control of this thing. Almost like trolling around trying to keep everybody in mm-hmm. order, writing tickets or putting people in jail <laughs> or like kicking them out of the tent. Um, trying to keep people in check, which is is, is fascinating because that can feel like personally hurtful if you're going through transition or it can feel fearful if you're, kind of wrestling with an expanding, growing understanding of God in the world. Um, and, and resistance, is, it, it's actually part of it. It's, it's not personal. It's just, it's baked into the thing. That's the, that's the way change works. That's, that's the process. That's the, the ballast. That's Yeah. That's what I think why it's so important to us to name it. As we're talking about change and growth, we're talking about even our faith and as that grows and changes and it's important to name the resistance that will come from that whether it's internal whether it's external and i think there's almost like a hack to it right just like naming it and then remembering that it's part of the process so like if you think about weight training or for me running obviously is my go-to right now but with weight training, you break down your muscles in order to build them up. So you have to go through that process of like the pain, which I feel like when Phil comes home from CrossFit, I hear about every, every other minute because all the pain <laughs> walking up the stairs, like, Ugh. um, or but, with running, it's like a slow build. Like I was talking about with the marathon where you slowly, you're breaking down your muscles. Then you have a rest day. They get built back up. You go back at it and you're stronger that, you know, you're stronger for it. And I think as we're trying to make change in the world and as we're trying to make change in our own lives, there's going to be resistance. And sometimes it's vehement. Like, I mean. There will always be resistance. Always. It's baked in. Always resistance. It's just it's not personal. what type. And where is it coming from? Will it be internal? Will it be external? Will it be both? Yes. <laughs> That's always fun. Yes. You know? <laughs> and so it's it's baked into the greater existence. And I think let that build you. Let it propel you just like just like when you're training for some sort of physical activity and those muscles are being broken down, you know when it's happening, well, it's going to make me stronger, even though it's hurting in the moment. And it's the same thing. Like the the resistance is part of it. Don't let it tear you down. Know that it's building you and growing you, even when it doesn't feel like it. Because when you're training, 
in that moment and you can't walk up the stairs the next day, it doesn't feel, you don't feel stronger in that moment, but you are. It's like this weird, it's almost like backwards, you know? So whatever you do, don't give into it. Don't give into resistance. Don't let it get you because, and this is, I think one way that we've seen that people will give into resistance is the good old American consumerism. And I think there's this temptation that resistance can be solved by like buying the next thing. <laughs> and I don't know what it is about Americans, but this is our, this is like one of our pitfalls or just distracting ourselves, right? Like trying to fill the void that we feel, whether you're feeling that internal resistance and you're feeling bad about yourself, you're feeling the doubt, like I can't do the thing. You're feeling external resistance. People are questioning me or whatever it is. I think for a lot of us, the urge is to grab something else to fill that void, whether it's carb, whether carbs, you know, alcohol, sex, drugs, like mindlessly searching the internet, <laughs> scrolling, you know, social media, whatever it is, the cure for resistance though, is not going to be any of those things. The cure for resistance is purely going through the pain of it and continuing to pursue that change that you're pursuing. You go through it and you realize actually that didn't kill me. Like actually that thing that I thought I would never get through, it actually made me stronger. Mm. I can think of like, I can't even tell you how many times I can think of like things that we've gone through that I, in the moment, it almost feels like it's going to crush you. And I guess our encouragement to you is like, you're stronger than you know, mm -hmm. you have everything you need. Mm hmm that you are empowered for this journey, that you, that you can take the next step and that resistance, it's just part of it and it will make you stronger. It will, it'll make you stronger if you can get through it and not give into it. And so it's real. And as we're talking about making change in this season, the reality is all of us, we're in process right now. We're all in process. We're all growing. We're all changing. Your body is constantly changing. We always talk about this like every seven years, you know, you get new hair. We're all getting older. Taste buds change every seven years. Your view of God changes yeah. every, like yeah, changes. There's changes inevitable. And so is resistance. And right now I think we're all feeling resistance majorly as this world is going through so much change. And what we're not doing is sitting still, right? Like the entire universe is constantly moving and changing and, and actually at an incredible velocity. Um, so forever you're at right now, whether it's maybe you're making just, maybe you're making health goals for yourself and you're trying to get, you know, just take care of yourself better. Whether, even if it's just small, like, Hey, I'm not eating chocolate for the month or, or you're doing the dry January thing or whatever it is. Maybe you're, um, trying to control yourself from stalking that person online, that ex that you maybe can't seem to let go of. And you just, and you're trying to move on to the next thing. Maybe your, your faith is, is growing and you find yourself like not fitting into old systems that you were in before. Maybe you're setting out to start a new job or some sort of new venture. Maybe you are in a new relationship of some sort, or you're just working on having healthier boundaries in your relationships or being healthier in, in the way that you're interacting with your friends and family. Maybe you're starting a new 
like nonprofit or business, or you're trying to help improve like clean water, or you're fighting climate change, maybe it's really big stuff. Maybe you're just rebuilding from some sort of loss. Or maybe you're wanting to, to take on something that you know feeds your soul, like painting or writing. Maybe you're learning to trust again or kind of rebuild, um, gain trust again after betrayal or hurt or loss. Or maybe you're just working on your parenting habits. Maybe not raising your voice as much. Maybe you're turning, maybe you're working on not turning to your vices just when you get stressed. Or simply just being kind to yourself instead of beating yourself up for the ways that you feel like you don't measure up. Those, those kind of shifts, they might feel small, but they are actually massive because what you're doing is you're actually rewiring your brain. And maybe you're trying to just start simple practices of like silence or prayer or meditation. Whatever it is, one thing is certain, resistance is real. It's present. It is guaranteed by choosing a path of growth and change in life. It's, it's just baked in. It's guaranteed to come. And our encouragement is take it seriously. Jesus did. He named it. He had the incredible ability to see it everywhere and call it what it is. There's this epic line in Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art where he's talking about resistance that keeps you from doing your thing. And he talks about how he could never write his book. He tried to finish this first book for so long. And he like locked himself in this trailer and was trying to finish it. And then he said he finally finished it. And he's like, I did it. I slayed that mother effer. He saw on the next day, I started the next one because that one sucked anyway. And he just like (laughs) kept going. And he named it It as like a dragon that he had to slay in order to keep going and to keep moving. Jesus named it. He said, devil, get behind me. (laughs) Okay. And also there's like a sense of not taking yourself too seriously in that, right? Like he's all, uh, it was bad anyway, but. <laughs> but I finished it. But I finished it and I just kept going. I needed to beat resistance today. That. It was so good. Yeah. So it's just super normal. It's all part of it. The, if you're feeling that strong resistance, I mean, and, and we're not trying to make light of it either. Like maybe it's like soul crushing, but something about naming it, own it, resist it, fight through it, be, and be kind to yourself when it happens. I had a friend tell me that yesterday and it was so helpful to me. She's like, hey, just, you know, be kind to yourself. I'm like, oh yeah, it's <laughs> a good idea. And it's worth it. It's worth it to keep going. Yeah, what do you need to do? I mean, I, I have a friend who's an author and he recognized how strong resistance can be to the creative work that he's doing. So he set up his desktop computer in his office with no internet access. And the only program that he put on it was the the program that he types in as he's working on uh, his next book and he takes his laptop and phone and literally locks them in the closet during the day to ward off resistance so he doesn't find himself it's genius. just getting interrupted a million times throughout the day. Um, Jen, she likes to work out very first thing in the morning when she wakes up, if it's possible, so that the day doesn't get away from her with a million sort of excuses not to. Yeah, I mean, this is why there's all kinds of AA, all the anonymous programs. Because when you're trying to make beautiful change for yourself and for your people, there is a crazy strong resistance and those programs are there to support you and help you get through it and not do it alone. So what do you need to do? What do you need to name? What do you need to own? What do you need to release? Where do you need to 
maybe just give yourself some grace and some kindness and release the shame and just go like, this is normal. This is all part of it. Or do you need to put up some strong boundaries maybe or create a plan? Do you need a guide to help you through something or guide you in it? Do you need a group of friends to stand with you to process? It's worth it. It's worth it. There is no achievement, great or small, that doesn't come without facing resistance. There is no growth and movement and change without facing resistance. And that, that is what it is. So, so don't let resistance get you. Name it and recognize it. And don't downplay it. Don't overplay it. Just resist it. <laughs> Hack it. The, the work you're doing and the path that you're on is just too important not to. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to check out our website, philandjenwood.com, to register for upcoming experiences and to see what else is going on. And if you enjoyed this, feel free to subscribe. You can even leave a review. Keep going. See you next time.